Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. All right. Hi, everyone. So we do have another guest here today, and I'm going to let them introduce themselves. Hey, guys. This is Dr. Rehan Shaheed. Um... I went to dental school in uh, the University of Texas School of Dentistry in Houston, um, and it was an amazing school. So there are three schools in Texas, and um, that's that being one of them. And um, the, you know, regarding types of schools, I know a lot of pre-dental students kind of wonder what school is best for me. Uh, before I kind of further introduce myself, I just wanted to say, you know, one big, huge, important point: any dental school you essentially get accepted is a great school. So I wanted to throw that in there before, you know, I would continue on. Um, so, you know, a little bit more about me. I was, I'm an immigrant student, meaning I was born in uh, Pakistan and I moved here when I was three. So essentially raised here in Texas. Um, I applied to all three schools and I got accepted to two of them, one in, you know, Texas A&M now and one in Houston, the one I mentioned. I chose the one in Houston for some reasons I'll talk about later on. And that's kind of pretty much it regarding my dental school. So I'm a new grad. I graduated in uh, class of 2020. So a lot of things have happened, especially COVID. Definitely changed a lot of things for a lot of you pre-dental students and dental students that are listening in. Um, and as dentists as well, there's a lot of different things we've had to encounter and try to get around. Um, I will say something. So I'm, a, I guess you can say, one of those weird people who, as a new grad, I own not only one practice, but two practices. So I actually bought two dental practices um, within two months of graduating dental school. So that's kind of unheard of. It's, it's, you know, it freaks me out even thinking about it, but I'm glad I had the opportunity and I'm glad to be here. Wow, that's amazing. I obviously have questions about that right off the bat. So yeah, how did you go about finding those practices? I guess COVID was kind of a unique opportunity. Probably people were looking to retire maybe earlier than they thought. Is that the situation? Or Yeah, so that's exactly it. So meaning a lot of the older docs, they were like, you know what? I, I don't want to do this. You know, if they were going to retire within the next couple of years, they were like, well, this is an excuse as any to go ahead and retire. So it was actually harder to find jobs as an associate dentist after graduating during COVID, but easier to buy a practice. And so, um, you know, there's a lot of different methods on finding people that are potentially willing to sell. Um, and I'll mention some of those for, you know, dental students that are about to graduate. One of them is, you know, talking to local supply reps because they know everything. They're like the gossiping group of dentistry. So you talk to them, they know pretty much who's willing to sell, who's hiring, who's not hiring, et cetera. Um, so that's kind of how I got in touch with the person that was the two people that I was selling or buying from. And, you know, I chased that opportunity. I had a great advantage to it. I had a good team and mentorship that really I feel is important. If there's one thing you got to take away from this entire conversation, it's mentorship goes a long way. You, just because you're a pre-dental student or a dental student doesn't mean you can't talk to dentists and say, hey, I want some advice for the future. Meaning, 
if you're a dental student, you don't have to wait till you graduate to ask dentists for advice. I would actually recommend you starting, you know, during dental school and, and befriending local dentists, potentially an area where you want to work and making that relationship. So whenever you do graduate, they're already on your in your corner looking out for you like, hey, do you want to work here potentially? Or I have a friend or colleague. And uh, one rule of thumb is every dentist knows 10 other dentists. So if they may not have an opportunity, they know 10 other people that they can talk to at least. And the ball just keeps rolling from there. So mentorship is huge. Did you find your mentorship during dental school or how did you make connections with those people? So one, I'll I'll say two things that were super important. One, I have a brother who was one year above me in dental school, meaning he went to another dental school, but he was class of 2019. So just being being one year ahead, I kind of just got mentored on the little things by him. But the true mentorship was during dental school where I opened my mind to books podcasts and Facebook groups. So I feel those are three super underrated things that dental students and pre-dental students are not taking advantage of. For example, there's literally a Facebook group called um, how to buy a dental practice or how to do a dental startup. Pretty much how I knew how to buy a practice was from that Facebook group. There's a book that I read and I have plenty of books to always give, you know, give you names or suggestions, but there's a book literally called how to buy a dental practice I read, you know, part one and part two, and I literally took that book to the day I was going to buy my practice. And I, and I said, hey, give me a second. Let me turn this page because there's a question I want to ask you from that book. So my point being, if I didn't have those books, I wouldn't have been able to buy two practices. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And that's funny. I had, I think it's Brian Hanks that wrote that book. I had him on a yeah, couple of so, weeks ago. <laughs> yeah, so funny. You're, you're, on, you're on top of it. Brian Hanks is a great author. And there's so many great books. And you know, Facebook groups, like um, there's the Business of Dentistry, super amazing group. There's uh, Practice Biopsy and even a more amazing group. So that guy who runs it, um, D'Angelo Webster, he's like, you know, 20, maybe 29. And he's making like close to, you know, a million dollars in his pocket pretty much. So 29-year-old graduated a couple years ago. He's doing better than most dentists out there. So, you know, um, the saying goes, you are who you hang out with. So I like to be part of those big groups so I can learn okay, what can I do to be at that position? Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And exactly what you said, you can get started earlier than people think. You can get started as a pre-dental. You should certainly get involved as a dental student. I totally, totally agree. Mm, Um, Another, you mentioned the two practices. So how are you managing both of those? Did you hire associates or are you just open a few days a week for each? So as I mentioned, uh, I have a brother who's a dentist now. So he's one year out. So we own both of them together. Um, so we pretty much bought them um, together. So we're both basically co-owners of them. We both work in both practices. And being a new grad, you know, there are some dentistry things that I just can't do off the, just from my limited experience just yet. So that's kind of where he comes in. So I do, for example, implants. I can't do them just yet. I'd like to, but that's something he can do for now. So um, that's kind of how we manage both practices where I'm, we own both of them and we kind of shift days from both. So we're pretty much open Monday through Friday on one of them, Monday through Thursday, and another. Another, I was wondering about with implants, because I know a lot of general dentists do learn how to do that. Do you guys find that you're still referring out certain cases, like only some are kind of in your wheelhouse? Um, regarding anything in dentistry, so um, I guess one, one piece of advice my brother once gave me was, if you're about to screw up, you can still refer out. So meaning, 
there's not any point in dentistry where you can't say, hey, you know what, we're going to pack it up and we're going to refer. So meaning if there's something that I'm not comfortable with, then of course I'm going to refer out. But if there's something that I'm, you know, iffy on or I feel confident that I can at least attempt it, then I'm going to attempt it because worst case scenario, I can still refer it out and it's not going to, you know, be detrimental in any way to the patient. So for example, if I'm doing a root canal, um, if I get stuck, then I pretty much refer to my brother because he's, you know, the other dentist there. If he can't do it, then we refer to a specialist. Um, we're, we're in a situation where any specialist is pretty much 40 miles away. So if we don't do it, then pretty much patients are kind of stuck because they have to go a long distance to, you know, get taken care of. Okay. That makes sense. And that sounds like it's great work that you're doing then. People really need all the services they can get right there. Yeah. So it's, it's really amazing. And we're the youngest dentist here. So the, I think the average dentist that's here is like 58 or, or there's one that's 80 years old and still practicing. So mm-hmm. um, it, it does us a lot of uh, good marketing, just being younger and, you know, being new to the game. Yeah. That's really a great career prospects for you guys too, for longevity and everything. That's awesome. Is there anything else other than implants that you're looking to take courses on in the coming years? Um, yeah, so I'd like to take some sort of aesthetic courses as well, um, meaning oftentimes there's going to be a patient that says, hey, I don't like my smile. Can you help me? And if you can't help them, then you kind of pretty much refer to someone that does. And, you know, there's not I sh- you shouldn't have an excuse not to be able to help a patient for something simple as a smile maker. So I can do some cosmetics, but I want to be able to give it my best shot. So I'm actually taking a course um, this coming Next semester, so next year, probably around February or so for a cosmetic course. Um, implants, I've been watching my brother place them. I need to take my own course to be able to do them um, more confidently. Root canals, I'm, I'm co- somewhat confident, but, you know, being a new grad, there's pretty much almost everything that you start to become confident in slowly. Um, but some things where you need extra help, I think a course is a really great method to getting that confidence. Nice, nice. So what made you choose to stick with general dentistry? So I like general dentistry because I can do everything. Meaning if I was an orthodontist, let's say, I would do the same thing over and over every single day. Um, So to me, that kind of gets boring versus, for example, today at work, I did a cosmetic procedure. I pulled the tooth out. I talked to a patient about dentures. I did literally, you know, several different types of treatment. And I enjoy that because I don't know what's going to walk in the door and I enjoy the, the problem solving part of it and the challenge because I'm not on a routine, you know, does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, it does. So, um, another thing kind of, I guess, backtracking in your time so far, do you have any advice for pre-dental students listening and what was your process like of getting into dental school? I know you mentioned any dental school is a good dental school and I totally agree because you're going to be a dentist either way. Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of resources out there. Um, for example, you know, this podcast, you're, you're interviewing a lot of dentists, maybe dental students as well. And there's a lot of great info, I'm sure, being given in, those podca- in this podcast. So, you know, other resources like that, um, there, uh, some people have websites or uh, pre-dental type of consulting groups where you can get that extra help. Um, I, in fact, have my own website. Um, it's called predentalconsulting.com, where people can kind of get a free consult. Um, they can, you know, talk to me uh, or my friend who's a Harvard uh, pediatric dentistry resident, um, pretty much to see how we can help them, meaning whether it's 
uh, DAT advice, um, S- helping on their essays, their personal statements, um, pretty much anything that is involved with the pre-dental application. Essays, the application itself, studying for the DAT advice, and and you know, a free consult, it's free. You know, so I'll talk to you for 30 minutes, I'll talk to you for an hour, whatever you need, I'm happy to give that advice because I've been through it. And I've talked to a lot of pre-dental students, so I know the struggles and I know there are a lot more resources out there that can definitely change the game. Yeah, I think that's the thing that's so great about current times, like with online and social media, it's so easy to make more connections and to get more people to look at your personal statement and to get more mentorship like through you and through other people they can meet. So yeah, I definitely encourage that as well. Um, uh, I was going to say regarding other dental pre-dental advice. um, I think a lot of people devalue um, their time spent on their application. Um, So I really would say, you know, emphasizing that time, you know, doing real true shadowing, not shadowing someone for about a week and saying, Hey, um, I know dentistry, but really spending that time in there and truly learning why is this profession made for you. So, and that really helps you in your pay, your personal statement because you can truly um, emotionally put that in there that, hey, dentistry is not a career, it's a lifestyle that I want. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Do you have, I guess, on the topic of personal statements, are there any personal statement tips you're willing to share? Yeah. So, I mean, there's a lot of cliches and personal statements that people do. So I've read, I've read hundreds to, you know, hundreds of personal statements to where sometimes people start off with a, you know, a quote and that can be okay, but it's often cliche. My advice would be, you know, I think if you have to kind of categorize your personal statement, the introduction should paragraph should always be reflecting on, you know, dentistry in broad perspective. And then what, um, you know, kind of even, where did you even hear the word dentistry type? So pretty broad type of paragraph versus the second paragraph, meaning the body kind of talks about your initial exposure. Um, and what did you do to prove you liked it? So for example, when I say prove, I mean, if you, um, if you went to the dentist before that was your initial exposure, how did you prove that you wanted to look further into it? You shadowed or you observed different dentists. So, that's kind of the body paragraph, the initial exposure, and then that proof of concept, like, hey, this is my proof that I enjoy dentistry because I shadowed um, not just one dentist, but maybe multiple. The final paragraph kind of, and I'm, and I'm saying all this you know, on a broad, quick perspective, but the final paragraph kind of tying back in why dentistry is not a career you want, but a lifestyle you are made, made for, meaning um, you kind of tie back in why you belong to you know that school or in that profession why the profession suits you and uh just you know that concluding statement of why dentistry is a lifestyle that you can't wait to be a part of yeah that's really good I think that's pretty solid advice especially that's similar I give to people as well it's good to go in that like chronological order of like your experience with dentistry it's yeah I definitely agree with that So um, a couple more questions, I guess, I had about specifically your work in private practice now. So how would you say that working on, I guess we can say, like real patients outside of dental school is different than working in the clinics at your dental school? So, um, you know, the very first day of private practice, uh, I'm not going to lie, I looked over my shoulder when I was done with the treatment and I realized there's no faculty there. And that really hits you because now it's, you know, you, you really think about it and it's, hey, you're the doctor. You know, if something happens, if the patient faints, 
everyone's going to turn to you for their advice, right? So once you kind of let that thought sink in, it gives you a lot of, it gives you initial fear, but then confidence takes over and um, it makes you feel really empowered. Meaning I have been training for this for four years. I've been a pre-dental student pretty much my entire college career. And this is the moment I've been waiting for to prove myself to my future profession and my patients. So I think the biggest kind of obstacle that first day into private practice is that concept of, hey, I'm the doctor, there's no faculty over me. And in some ways that makes it easier, in some ways it makes it tougher. So easier in the sense that there's no start checks. So if you're a dental student, then you know how uh, tough that can be. Um, And, you know, some concepts in dental school are kind of taught and everyone has, you know, different opinions, but not everything is taught probably the right way it should be taught. Meaning um, in dental school, we learn how to do things from first the hardest way and then we get into the shortcuts because they want to teach you, you know, the comprehensive way to do it so you can manage every type of situation. So when you get into um, private practice, you'll learn that there are easier ways to do a lot of things and that not only saves you time but also um, benefits you as as well as a patient regarding treatment. Um, in dental school, you're taught to use a rubber, a dental dam on, you know, every single filling. In private practice, there are other ways to do isolation, for example, isolite or isodry or, you know, you know, other dry shields, other different types of things. So my point being, like, there's a lot of things that make it dentistry easier after dental school. Um, some of the things that make it tougher are you don't have someone to turn your head to, um, you know, for advice. But that's where the mentorship comes in. So, I like to have first say my first week of private practice, I went to all the specialists within, you know, I mentioned like 40 miles and I said, Hey, I'm a new doctor. Um, I want to be able to refer you patients if I need help. And can I get your personal number if I, so I can call you every single specialist will say for sure, because they're going to make money off of you anyways, if you refer and they're all very helpful. So if I'm doing something and I get stuck, I just call, you know, an oral surgeon. And I say, Hey, my patient won't stop bleeding. I need help. Can you give me advice? And, and then they're going to spend some time talking to you about it. And they'll really be very helpful. So there's, you know, everyone's out there to help. Um, I don't think any dentist hates another dentist. So we're in a, an amazing profession where everyone wants to help each other. Yeah, I feel like I've noticed that even as a student that other dental students, as well as all the dentists that I've met so far, have been so, so supportive. So I feel like it's a really great profession and hopefully it's going to continue down that path. Are you involved in like any organized dentistry as well as I know you're in the kind of Facebook group communities, but are you part of any general dentistry organizations or like your state dental organizations? Yeah. So I'm part of like, you know, the ADA, which is American Dental Association, um, the TDA, which is a Texas, my state organization, um, there's my town is somewhat small. So there's not a local chapter here versus like, if you're in like Dallas or Houston, there is a regional or local chapter. Um, so I'm in like my state and, and national organizations, plus a bunch of other organizations like the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry or the, you know, American Academy of Implant Dentistry. So, you know, organizations where I feel I can truly benefit from, you know, learning wise or CE course wise, um, as well as, you know, the secret dental, dental societies, meaning, and if you're a graduating dentist, if there's one thing I want you to write down and says, it's called Dental Success Network. It's, this, it's an organization that has over almost a thousand dentists a part of it. And if you're a practice owner, you have to buy a lot of things from you know, supply reps and DSN, which is Dental Success Network, or Dental Whale is the nickname for it. 
it helps you because they're a part of that group. So you get discounts on it, pretty much everything. So if dentistry, if there's anything in dentistry, DSN gives you a discount on it. So that's one of those secret organizations people are only recently starting to find out, but it's, it's huge. So those that listen to podcasts, maybe you've heard of Mark Costas. He's like one of the dental gurus. Um, it's pretty much his organization that he created. Okay. Wow. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that tip. I hadn't heard of it. So I'm happy that you mentioned it. Uh, a couple more things, then we're going to wrap up here. I just had a few more questions about your pathway so far with ownership. So how did you go about, I guess, handling insurance um, and patient management? Since again, that's something you don't really work on in dental school. Do you have someone maintaining that in your offices? How closely are you involved with everything? Gotcha. So as an owner, where I when I bought the office, I pretty much had to hire a new team. And I never call them staff because in dentistry, I strongly believe we're a team. So I had to hire for both offices a brand new team. And so that made me really involved in doing pretty much everything. So I needed to know about the insurance to be able to kind of teach it. And, you know, going through those Facebook groups, um, there's pretty much one dentist every month or every week opening a new practice and being a practice owner, um, especially in the how to make a dental startup Facebook group. So it was really easy to go and scroll and see, you know, type in the word insurance and see how people have managed insurance. So I've hired a third party company, which is taking care of all my insurance and makes it easy until my staff can be trained on it to where then they can just kind of take that over. Um, regarding, you know, supplies and, you know, supply ordering. None of my team members knew how to do that. So I had to teach them. And I only learned that because of those Facebook groups. So where I, you know, I met people and and those like this specific Facebook group is so amazing. You can literally direct message any of these dentists and say, Hey, can I pick your brain for like 30 minutes or so? And they'll say, yeah, for sure. And I just talked to them. So some of the dentists have been, you know, brand new or some have been in the game for, you know, several years. Um, to where I'm in the same boat essentially, or, you know, they've just overcome this part where I'm starting. And so I've gotten, you know, so much amazing advice that's really guided me on a lot of the decisions I've had to make regarding, you know, patient management as well as practice management, which is huge. Because like you said, in dental school, you don't learn practice management. That's something you have to pick up and it's really hard to pick it up while you're doing clinical dentistry. So you really need to spend the extra hours after work, you know, talking to people, and really getting their two cents on how to do different things. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. How long from when you graduated was it until you were opening up the doors and seeing your first patients? Um, well, COVID happened, so yeah, um, that happened. So, but I believe um, September twenty second was whenever I we you know started in one practice. Um, let's call it practice one. Practice two was October tenth. So. Um, with COVID happening, I think everyone recently oh, just started working back in like mid-August or so or early September. So I basically started working whenever we were legally kind of allowed to according to the state regulations. Got it. Got it. Which, which also, you know, worked out perfectly because it gave me time to, you know, actually learn how to buy a practice and, you know, do all the steps that needed to be done to before I started. So um, do you have any final thoughts or advice you want to give out to the people listening? Um, so final thoughts wise, I like, I'll break it up into two categories, I guess, um, pre-dental students and then current dental students. So starting with current dental students, I really, you know, 
I, I can't possibly emphasize enough the importance of those Facebook groups. Um, it's so rare to have a new grad own one practice. It's, you know, it's almost impossible to own two. And if I didn't have those Facebook groups, I wouldn't be here. So, you know, it's really, really important. And those that are listening, you know, you can find me on Instagram, Rayhan the Dentist. And, you know, ask me, like, I really encourage you, ask me what groups do I recommend. Um, there's not, you know, there's not a million I'm going to say. There's a good five or six that are really super game changers that can change your life for the better regarding, um, you know, recent grads or people in dental school that are about to graduate within one to, you know, two years. Um, regarding uh, pre-dental students, you know, there's the application cycle, you know, people got their acceptance letters. Um, the application cycle is not, or I'm sorry, the acceptance is not over yet. So, you know, keep keep up there, keep having faith. I, you know, when I was in dental school or pre-dent, I got accepted, I believe in like March or something. So don't lose your faith if you didn't get accepted December 15th. Um, you still have a chance. And, and, you know, even if you don't get accepted, it's not the end of the world. You know, most students that apply to dental school, uh, most accepted students actually are actually reapplicants. So that means, you know, you're not alone. A lot of people have been through it. And that just means don't give up. You actually probably have a higher chance to get accepted the second round anyway. And if you didn't get, you know, if you didn't get accepted or you're, you know, you've already interviewed and you haven't heard back, I really encourage you to call the dental school and say you'd like an update on your application. Maybe that'll promote them to opening up your application and putting it on a pile, on a pile to look at again. Um, or maybe they'll be able to give you advice and say, hey, your DET score was just not where we wanted. And, and that'll tell you a hint and say, hey, next time around, I got to work on my DET. So don't undervalue the reaching back out to the school and saying, can I get an update on my application or how could I have made it better? Um, you know, that being said, you know, I'm always here to answer any questions from pre-dents uh, or dental students. Um, a lot of dental students now reach out to me because um, I'm a new grad and I'm, you know, practicing now. So it's, it's kind of the shoes they're about to enter. And as a practice owner, I've kind of beat the hurdle to where I can answer some of those questions that they wouldn't have had for a very long time. Um, so reach out to me, you know, whether, you know, on Instagram, I'm always replying back to my messages. There's not one single message that I don't, you know, check. Like I said, it's Rayhan, the dentist. For pre-dental students, you know, check out my website, predentalconsulting.com. Um, you know, get a, pre, get a free consult if you're about to apply for the next cycle potentially, you know, be prepared. Don't wait until the cycle opens to start really looking into it. You should ideally start practicing or preparing this December. So that way by May, you can pretty much have everything ready to go. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for all of your help and for being so willing to help everyone listening. I feel like this was a super cool episode and I appreciated all the direct recommendations of books and groups for people to, to check out. So I really, really do appreciate your time. Well, thank you so much for hosting me, Haley. I really appreciate you reaching out and um, I'm glad I could be of help.